What's up? You're tuning in to Keep Your Pads Down, the highlight of your Tuesday. That is, if in fact you are listening to this on Tuesday, uh, when our episodes drop each week. And this is episode number 138. So thank you for checking us out today and giving us a listen. Uh, big news for our podcast this week. I haven't put this out on Twitter yet. I don't know uh, why I haven't, but just haven't. But uh, late last week, we eclipsed a pretty substantial milestone. We surpassed 50,000 total downloads, which uh, is pretty awesome. Uh, I remember when we started this thing a little over three years ago, I was excited when we hit 500 total downloads. It took a little while to do that. I think most of those are, you know, probably half of those came from members of my own family. But uh, anyway, I want to thank you guys, uh, our listeners, for checking us out each week and for telling your friends about us. Putting on a podcast is not easy, and, and it can uh, be a grind at times, which we, we actually talk about in our conversation today. But getting feedback from you guys about how what we do, we are doing here is has helped you. Uh, it makes it all worth it uh, for sure. So again, thank you uh, for, for listening and thank you, uh, especially to our guests, because without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Our show would not be nearly as interesting if it was just me talking all the time. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our podcast sponsors, beginning with the guys at Our Coaching Network. You guys are no doubt doing things this summer to better yourself as a coach. Maybe you're reading some books while you're on vacation or visiting with some other coaching staffs, maybe uh, going to a clinic this summer or watching one online, or maybe even listen to a podcast like this one. Well, those are all great, but you should also do what I do and head over to Our Coaching Network, create an account, and have access to quality live clinics going off every week, all of which are added to a library that can be accessed at any time. So get on over there today, create your account now. Subscriptions are super affordable. And you can even sign up for a free week and then cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Next up, coaches, are you looking for a way to promote your athletes and athletic programs with professional-looking graphics? Well, then our friends at GoEdit Graphics have got you covered. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, the text, and the images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all of your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that I posted with a link for uh, today's podcast with Coach Adad, that entire graphic was, was created by me in just a few minutes with GoEdit. I picked a template and the pictures I wanted to use, changed the colors and the text to what I wanted the graphic to say. And in just a few minutes, I'm done. Uh, so the process is super easy. It's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your Showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. All right, so today we are talking with Coach Chris Haddad, the defensive coordinator and wide receiver coach at Bellingham High School in Bellingham, Massachusetts. But Coach Haddad is also the co-founder of Victory Sports, which is a, a website devoted to breaking down football in a simplistic way and making the game easy and fun to learn for everyone. Uh, they do this through virtual clinics, which are uploaded onto their website, Twitter chats, uh, do football forums, and more. I think they even do uh, some blogging as well. Uh, but Coach Haddad got on my radar because I found myself always retweeting his stuff on Twitter, which is usually 
like you know drills or a game clip of guys using a certain technique or maybe a, a coach's presentation from a clinic. Um, so anyway, I hit him up and we got to talk uh, a little bit, you know, leading up to today's conversation about the work he's doing through uh, Victory Sports and and how all of that came about. And, and I'm excited for you to hear from him today. Uh, coach Haddad has been coaching for seven seasons, all of which have been spent uh, at his alma mater there at Bellingham High School in Bellingham, Massachusetts, uh, where he is, as I mentioned, the defensive coordinator and wide receiver coach. Uh, you guys who are fellow small school coaches know uh, what it's like to, to coach on both sides of the ball. Um, he also is fortunate enough to work there uh, with both his brother, who is the offensive coordinator, and his dad, who is the head coach. And they're doing something right up there because the Bellingham staff won USA Today's 2021 Staff of the Year Award after their 2020 season. Uh, so today, Coach Haddad and I talk about his work with Victory Sports and what he's learned since its launch in 2016. And then we talk about high school football in the state of Massachusetts. And as a person who has spent very little time in that state, I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, so you know I had a ton of questions about football up there. Uh, and then, of course, we close out putting Coach under the gun in our rapid-fire segment where we ask the longtime Boston sports fans about uh, Patriots football, Boston Celtics basketball, and even uh, have a little bit of Red Sox talk in there as well. So a lot of stuff to get to today, so let's dive in. Here is Coach Chris Haddad on episode number 138 of KYPD. Coach Haddad, welcome to the podcast. Coming to us from the great state of Massachusetts, I think uh, I think that's a first for this podcast. I had to go oh, back really? and look. Hopefully, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. But I think I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is the first time we had a guest who's coaching in Massachusetts. So thank you so much for joining us. Really glad that, that you could join yeah, us. Yeah, and no, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's nice to be on the other side for once. I feel like uh, we've done so many interviews and everything with Victory that uh, you know, I'm, I'm scrambling around to prep and get the questions ready and everything else. So, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, before we get in our conversation today, I, I do, I, I want to know what the current temperature is. Are you at Bellingham? Is that where you are right now? Yeah. Bellingham. Yeah. yeah. So, so we just wrapped up a session of our strength conditioning camp. That's what we do. Um, down here, we can, we can bring our guys up for a workout and, and actually do football and lift and, um, you know, even doing it in the morning, the temperature was hovering right below hundred degrees, but with oh, wow. humidity, at least here, uh, it felt you know, way, way hotter than that. But what's it yeah. like up there today? It was high eighties last week and it is mid seventies this week. So, and it's going to pour the next two days. Yeah. You never know. It's, that's new England weather for you. You might get snow tomorrow. You might get beautiful day, you know, the next day. So, uh, yeah, right now it's about 77. Cool. And it's not too hot outside. So the kids love it when they're working out. Same thing. We're going through our conditioning as well. So kids love it because it's nice and cool. But uh, then those hot days hit and it's like they've never seen the sun before. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely up and down here in Massachusetts. What, when does it really start getting hot as you all, as you would call it there? I yeah. Think. At the time of this recording, it's what mid June. So probably like mid July is just when it gets like unbearably hot where like, you know, it's uncomfortable, it's humid and the weather really starts to impact kids workouts as opposed to now where it's a little bit cooler. Uh, but like I said, you never know what you're going to get the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're making a lot of guys uh, in, in this part of the world, at least in the Southeast and in, in, in Texas, jealous. 
uh, with your 77 degree weather. I know we would all kill for that right now. Right. Right. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about um, what you're doing with victory and, and all of that. But I do want to spend some time first, just talking about your background. I know you're, you're, you're a coach's kid. You actually are getting yeah. to coach with your dad and your brother right now. So just yeah. talk to us yep. about growing up and how you're introduced to football and, and all of that. Well, football is really my first love really thinking about like when I was younger, like 10, 11 years old, uh, I grew up in, you know, currently live about 10, 15 minutes from Gillette Stadium. So having the Patriots kind of in our backyard is kind of where it all sparked from. My father, who, as you mentioned, I, I coached my father as a head coach. My brother's the offense coordinator. So, you know, my father kind of ingrained in me as a kid to always be a diehard Patriots fan. So before they got really good, I was sitting in the stone bleachers of uh, the old Foxborough stadium, getting beer spilled on me, you know, being baptized in that stadium before they actually got good. So I think that I have an older brother who's seven years older than me. So uh, he doesn't coach, but I think growing up and him playing football, you know, you kind of always want to be like your older brother. So I just always wanted to be like him, him being a little bit older than me. So I think that's really kind of how I got introduced to football and then found the love for football at an early age. And then, you know, having played in high school and college and then obviously getting into coaching as well. So walk us through your your coaching uh, up to this point, your stops and, and, you know, how you got into coaching and, and what, you know, how that all came about. Yeah, it's funny when uh, you look back. So when I was a freshman in high school, uh, my father was coaching a Pop Warner team at the time. And it was actually my younger brother. He was coaching and I was like helping out call the offense there so like that's kind of where my first coaching experience started on the sideline was when I was still playing I knew I was I always wanted to be a coach and I knew my playing days were limited you know I wasn't someone who thought like I'm gonna go to the NFL in high school or anything like that like I knew I always wanted to be a coach when I was done my playing career so I got introduced 13 years old 14 years old on the sidelines helping out my little brother's team uh and then as uh, when I graduated 2015 was my first I was 24 years old when I first got introduced to coaching and my first stop is actually my current stop. Uh, so I've coached at Bellingham now for about seven years. Um, and it's kind of all I know. I played at Bellingham. Um, so it's nice going back to the alma mater and rebuild the program from when it was uh, to what it is now. So that's my first and only stop has been here. So it's, uh, it's currently all I know. But, you know, with Victory, which we're going to talk about in a minute, I'm sure, uh, I've been able to, you know, see other programs and talk to other coaches and kind of bring a flavor from everywhere into where we are, we are now. Yeah, there's something to be said, you know, um, it's almost the stereotype of coaches or the coaching life is that you have to move and you have to be right. sort of this vagabond. Right. Um, but there's something to be said about being somewhere and, and especially like where you are now, you're at your alma mater. So it means more to you, you know, than it's not right. just a, a place where you go and, um, you know, maybe try to win a few games and parlay that into something else. And so that's really cool um, to, to be able to do that and then to do that with your with your uh, with your dad and with your brother. So what's that dynamic like with your dad and brother? Is it, does it ever get a little testy around the office? <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, yeah. No, it, it's good. We, we all have that mutual respect for one another, you know, and I think it's good because, you know, he is my younger brother, but like we're always competitive back and forth during practice. Uh, unfortunately, we are, you know, a one platoon team where we don't have enough kids where we can split it, your offense, your defense. So when we do have like the ones against the twos, when you scrimmage during practice, you know, I'm always trying to get the best of him and then vice versa. He's trying to get the best of me. So we have that competitive edge in practice, but we also have that mutual understanding that like we're all here to get a job done to build Bellingham 
up to where it needs to be and uh, to restore that tradition of what we had in the uh, early 90s, early 2000s, and try to get that program back to where it was. So uh, it, it's good. We're in the Eagles thrown out the door, right? Like, I'm not trying to outdo my brother. We both support each other in the sense that if the offense doesn't succeed, the team doesn't succeed, and if the defense doesn't succeed, uh, you know, and vice versa. So uh, I think we have that mutual respect for each other, which helps out. Because, you know, I've seen some staffs and, um, you know, where the offense hates the defense, right? And you get in those rivalries, and all of a sudden teams crumble because you blame each other consistently. So uh, we don't have any of that, at least I know of, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been good. Well, you know, it's, um, it, it's, again, it's just, a, it's a unique thing to be able to, to coach with your family, but also something yeah that's special that, that I'm sure that years down the road, you guys will look at and really appreciate, you know, that, that time that you have with your dad and, and being sure. able to coach um, with your brother. The, the, a practical question here, what do the kids, how do they, when they say coach, Coach Head Dad, like all three of you turn around, like what, what, how do you, how do you keep that separate where this not as confusing? Yeah. So we were actually, we were on that day one. So Coach Head Dad's my father. I'm Coach Chris and my brother's Coach Danny. So um, we've, yeah, from day one, we've, we kind of laid that out of who's who. Cause if not, yeah, we'd all be spinning our head consistently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, seeing who, who's being called. Yeah. Well, so we're going to, I, I want to hear about, or talk about victory. Um, we've already alluded to it a few times. Sure. You can see yeah. it there in your background. And that's really how I came across you is just seeing your stuff uh, on Twitter. And, um, you know, I was like, man, who is this coach? And how do they, he always has these awesome drills and different things that he's posting. And so that kind of led me to checking out the YouTube page and things like that. Sure. So just talk about that and where this idea uh, for this came from and what victory sports is. Yeah. So I always like to tell the origin story of how victory started. And I'll give you the paraphrased version of it, but it was my very first year coaching. Uh, we had, we were playing our rivals. I had a pump lock in. I was a special teams coordinator at the time and was doing some defensive back positional stuff when I first started coaching. And I had this pump lock in. I really liked it. It was fourth quarter. We had them pinned in their zone. Uh, I have a track kid who gets through the line clean. So as a special teams coordinator, you know, hands are in the air, like, Hey, we got this block. He gets through clean and instead of tackling the punter, he tries to block it off his foot and he misses it. The ball flips the field. We end up losing that game. And uh, I remember he came to the sideline and I started laying into him like, why didn't you tackle the punter? Screaming at him, you know, as a young coach, young fiery coach does. And I'll never forget. He was just like, coach, you can't tackle the punter. Uh, that's roughing the kicker. And I remember just being like, it was weird. Like I, that fiery moment I had was kind of resolved. And I was like, okay. And I told the kid, the kid played defense. So he ended up jogging onto the defense. And I remember after the game just being like, if the kid doesn't know the rule, it's not his fault. It's the coach's fault. Right. Because I'm the one teaching him the rules. I'm the one. And I think that's the biggest thing in coaching is we always anticipate kids should know everything when they, they shouldn't, because we're the one that's teaching them. So the fact that the kid didn't know the rule, it was like, my thought was it was my fault. Right. Uh, but then I started thinking, like, where do kids go to learn sports? And, you know, we got to hope they play Madden and hope that they learn that way. So that's kind of where the idea from Victory came from. So uh, I set out and I developed a mobile app. I taught myself how to code, developed the mobile app, and it, it did awful. The idea was, the concept was raw, but uh, it was essentially a mobile app where you could, I taught you, I brought you through like nine chapters of like how to learn football. And we, you know, and I developed everything. And no one was using it. So I ended up shutting it down. And then I started to roll over to, okay, well, if the kids, you know, aren't learning, I got to start teaching the coaches or start helping the coaches at least. And that's kind of what the idea is now with Victory, where we're essentially helping coach the coaches. So 
if you're a brand new coach or a young coach, whatever it is, and you're looking for resources, and that could be anything. That could be how to put on shoulder pads properly, or it could be um, you know how to run, how to install RPOs, whatever it may be. So what we're trying to do is from a foundational level, take that knowledge and give it to a new coach or someone who's looking to just learn. And that's what I'm trying to do essentially with victory is that idea of teaching the coach that way they can teach the player. I got to go back to that origin story. So it, it, is it legal to, to tackle the punter based on, on y'all? Cause we're, I guess every state's a little bit different. And yeah. We're, we're, we are NCAA rules. Um, so uh, are y'all like, is it federation rule? Like what rules are y'all under? Yeah, we're NFHS now, but okay. you know, essentially his thing was like, obviously when the punter stole the ball in his hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he can, cause he's technically a runner. So, uh, yeah. you know, obviously when the ball leaves his foot, you can't touch him. But right, right, right. Yeah. For yeah. us. Yeah. 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 He could have. So, um, and the kid like caught it and, you know, bobbled it. So oh, it looked like yeah. he was going to run anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? so, yeah. But he yeah. was just like, I got you. But his initial reaction was just like, I, I can't touch the punter at all because it's, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that was, that was the moment. And it's weird how that happens, right? You have that moment, which snowballs into one idea, which, you know, then snowballed into victory. So that's uh yeah, that was the origin story. It's, that's how it all began. And that's, that's where the idea came from and obviously morphed into what it is now. So what types of, of resources do you offer coaches? I know you, again, you have a website, you have a, a YouTube yeah. page um, where you can go and watch clinics. And like I said, I've seen, you know, it's on everything from any, really anything to do with football that you could want is, is on there. So what, what mediums are you, um, can coaches consume your material and, and what things do you guys cover? Sure. Yeah. So we, we have a lot. So, uh, starting with the website, we have blogs. We have over a hundred blogs there, which is written content that with diagrams and everything laid out. So we have the written piece of it. We have the YouTube part of it, which we're, I think we are 11, 11,000, close to 12,000 subscribers on YouTube, uh, which is all free. So that's, yeah, I recently did an interview with Dante Scarnecchia, who's one of the greatest offensive line coaches. He was with the Patriots for many, many years. Uh, I've talked to some great high school coaches, but that essentially is just, we're walking you through, again, could be something fundamental. It could be something um, more extravagant, deep dive into scheme. It's a little bit of everything. So between the blog and the YouTube, that's all free. So we put all, all that free content. We try to put out at least two blogs a week, uh, as well as one video a week as well. Social has been really good to us. As you mentioned, I'm sure that's how you found us was on Twitter. Uh, we're actually surprisingly pretty big on TikTok as well. So we go to about 31,000 on TikTok that uh, we just give out daily tips. That's been great to us. So it's been cool to engage with the players in that aspect of it. But uh, social has been really good to us. And then, of course, is how we keep the site up and running is we do sell courses and we do sell templates. Uh, so we have, you know, if you're looking to buy a wristband template or whatever it is, we do have a section for that on the website. And then courses that we sell through uh, different mediums on the website as well. So those are really the two money makers that we have, so to say, that keep the lights up and running. But uh, most of it is just through the blogs and the YouTube where you can find our, our content. What have you found or who have you found to be your biggest audience? Is it coaches? Is it players? Is it parents? Uh, who, who's, who do you, I don't know, maybe, you, I don't know if you have a way to gauge, you know, who, who you're. Yeah. Who so, so it's, it's coaches for sure. Um, the TikTok thing is the players though, because just TikTok being a younger generational platform, so to say. Uh, but yeah, our, our audience is coaches and uh, preferably newer coaches or even younger coaches that are trying to learn more about the game. Uh, not to say that, you know, during the season, 
we have a lot of fans that are just wondering about basic questions about football that will land up on our side as well. So who all is this? Who is it? It's you. And, and then I think you have a few other guys together. Who's who is doing most of the, um, you know, whether it's writing the blogs or yeah. conducting interviews. Uh, who's so all part of that? As of two months ago, it was just me. Um, just me. I had two co-founders initially. They've since left. Uh, so for the past ye- two years, it's been just me. So I'll make all the content. I'll build YouTube. Within the past two months, uh, my brother actually has helped me out with a lot of content as well. So he's been doing some work from us. And then um, Coach Ryan Swingle, he's coaching up at Hamilton University right now. He's uh, He's been a huge help for us as well, like anything that we need. He first interned for us uh, when he was still, I believe, a student yeah, at uh, Baldwin Wallace University. So he was interning for us. And then he's since... He's been in the coaching now. He coached up at uh, Cornell University, and now he's at Hamilton University. But Ryan's been a huge help for us as far as creating content for us. And then uh, being, you know, anything that we really need, he's always happy to help out. So I got to give a big shout out to him. But for right now, it's just me and my brother. Well, I'm sure guys who are who are hearing that are like, you know, how are you doing all that and coaching? Like, how, how do you balance those two responsibilities? Yeah, it's a lot. It's uh, time management, I think, has been my biggest thing that I've had to learn over the years, right? Is just understanding because when two 33 o'clock hits, I'm in the football mode. So I'm going into coach. So the off season has been really big for me as far as getting out all the content I possibly can and even stat, uh, stockpiling some content. So when the season hits, I can slowly start to leak it out. Uh, but yeah, I'm up early every morning getting all of that done. Uh, I do have, you know, a day job where I, um, you know, I own a portfolio of websites that I need to manage as well. So I have that, that pays the bills essentially. Then I have victory. Then I have, uh, you know, with the coaching responsibilities with, you know, as a coach, it's literally from two 30 to six, seven at night is, uh, is pretty much a, a job in itself. So that's, uh, that's pretty much how the days are structured. Yeah. But being time oriented has been a big, very kind of eye opening for me the last two years, like being able to manage all that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, for, for me, and then this is being completely honest, you know, running a, just running a podcast can, can be a grind, you know, because, um, it's finding guests, it's, you know, scheduling interviews around the other things going on in your life. It's getting it, that interview edited and getting it ready to to publish. And, you know, every week you got to have another one. It's got, it's coming. Like you got to be ready to roll and it can be, uh, it can be a grind and it can kind of get um, sometimes laborsome or, or, or whatever, but h- how do you keep things fresh and keep yourself from getting worn thin from all that goes into putting out such awesome content like you're able to do? Yeah, I think early on, I learned to fail quickly and adapt quickly. You know, I think, you know, I'm someone who I'll put some things out there and if it doesn't work, I'm not just going to keep hammering it. I'm going to say, okay, we need to adjust. Right. And uh, you know, I think that's been a big help. Like I had the mobile app out there and I could have been ignorant and just been like, Hey, I'm going to just get this mobile app thing to work. I'm going to spend two years, three years. But once it didn't work, it's like, okay, well, how can I adjust? How can I adjust? So I think having that has been big for us as well. And then once something catches fire, just keep with it. You know, I started posting drills about five, four or five years ago. And then I started just sharing people's content. So, you know, I essentially became a source of just football content. And that's kind of how victory has been too, just a source for football content. So that's why I just kept things rolling in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just been just trying to keep consistent of what's working and then try some new things. And if it works, just keep going. But if not, uh, adjusting fast. 
Yeah, and and again, when I I've, I always came across you, and I think I went back and looked all the stuff that I retweeted from you was uh, drills, and yeah. it might be a college team, might be an NFL team, might be a high school team. Where do you get all of that content? Is it that you are you finding it somewhere else and retweeting or sharing it, or someone sending that to you? Do you have access to it? How do you find all of that? Yeah, it's all three. Um, you know, I'll get people DMing me, asking if I can share their drills, uh, stuff I find around the internet. Um, mostly things I find around Twitter, but yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's things I find around Twitter and people sending me in drills being like, Hey, can you post this? And, uh, obviously I'll do it just to help them out. What's been the, uh, the best part, uh, about doing victory up to this point. Um, and I can kind of answer that on the podcast and, and I, I, I bet our answers are pretty similar, but just what's been the best part for you, uh, in doing all of this? I think having access to people that I would just never be able to talk to in my life. I'm sure you could attest this to the podcast, like having big guests. It's like, you know, I'm sure if I reached out to somebody, you know, just a random coach, they'd be like, Oh, okay. It's just a random coach messaging me. But like the fact that like the victory platform has grown so much that I can ask people to come on the platform and learn from them. Like when I do these interviews or any video I do with a coach, like, you know, I have a pen and paper right here. Like I'm taking notes myself as I'm conducting the interview. So I think for that, it's been, it's opened up a lot for me where I've had access to coaches that I don't think I would have access to without the platform, if that makes sense. Uh, and I'm not naive to be, to know that, you know, I think victory's been a lot to open doors and uh, for me just personally as a coach. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is just uh, the access to these amazing, not even just like NFL coaches, but like high school coaches as well, that you just learn different things and you're able to see. I did a uh, three episodes. I called it the tour on YouTube. And I really want to get back to that. I think I'm going too soon, but I've had access to colleges and just seeing behind the scenes of, you know, we did one at Bryant university, Worcester state university, new England, like being able to get a behind the scenes look of like how these football programs operate from a player perspective. So seeing all the amenities they get, um, seeing the field houses, the locker rooms, everything. So I think for me, just, yeah, the long answer is the access to all these coaches and, um, you know, everything that they provide. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's, I would, that would be one that I would say for sure. And what I always talk about too, is just being able to um, open up my phone and have coaches that I've interviewed in Michigan, in Texas, in California, um, all over, really literally all over the United States. And that I can text them and say, Hey, what do you, what do you do here? Or how have you done this before? So that's, it's, it's really expanded my personal network. Yeah. That's been a cool thing. Um, and then, yeah, being able to have access to this stuff that you're right. Like I'm talking to some of these coaches and if I was just some random coach, I may not get them to talk to me, but being able to have a podcast and, and, uh, have a, 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 a little bit of a following does help. That's why I always appreciate right. those guys who, who, um, jumped on at the very first, because I was like, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but do you want to come on here? Maybe 10 people will listen. Yeah. No, um, and I can't guarantee that all those people won't be in my family. But anyway, uh, that's that's been a cool thing uh, for for sure. Yeah, I'm sure you got a blacklist too of people who've blown you off and people who. Yeah, 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 (laughs) for sure. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. What's who's been the um, maybe like the biggest surprise? Like I cannot believe I'm talking with this coach or this person. Do you can you think of a couple? Yeah, I think the most recent one I did with Coach Dante Scarnecki. I think that was probably 
the biggest one for just being a Patriots fan all my life and just knowing how much he's meant to the team, the community and how respected he is by coach Belichick. I think for me, that was like a, like an awesome moment to talk offensive line with him and um, you know, how we got connected. I think that was really cool. Um, I think for me, that's probably the biggest one, not to obviously downgrade the other coaches that I've talked to because uh, there's been some fantastic ones. I think that's the, the biggest thing too, is, you know, talking with coach Garnacki, just understanding how simple the game is and how simple he makes the game. I think too many times we try to overcomplicate it with certain steps and certain techniques and hand placement. He just makes the game so simple. Uh, so I think learning that and then talking to innovative coaches, you know, I'll give uh, coach Digatano a shout too um, from Fordham university linebacker coach. I thought he does a fantastic job just innovating the position itself and thinking kind of outside the box. And I love talking to those college coaches and high school coaches that are thinking outside the box and innovating the game. Cause uh, you know, I'm kind of like that where I'm always thinking like, okay, this works, but like, how can we make it better? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know for me, like personally, um, you know, when I started this thing, um, I was a D line coach and it was, and it was pretty much all about defensive line. And as you know, I guess in, in, in year three of this um, kind of branch out more and, and to include more, um, you know, out, you know, kind of broaden the scope a little bit, but there have been a lot of things that I've learned um, in interviewing guys or having guys on the podcast that have directly affected how I coach, whether it be drills or, you yep. know, philosophy type stuff, or, you know, just how, you know, how time management, things like that. What have been some things that you've picked up from, you know, interviewing coaches or being around coaches or seeing some of these things that you have taken directly into how you coach your guys? Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is because I just did this YouTube video and I, I highly recommend if, if you're listening to this podcast, you go watch the video. Um, we had a Twitter debate and I don't know if you saw it or not. And I'll, I'll give these three guys a shout out, but uh, Sean Mishka, Matt Caraccio and, and Ross Cooper, we just did a video on their, their mo movement specialists. I mean, the video is based on like movement specialists and football coaches meet and how we can make the game better. And I think one thing they really opened my eyes to was how much how much we take practices and how like they need to be game related and you need to put kids in a game environment as much as possible. And I think that's something we're getting away from as coaches. And they really opened my eyes to it with, you know, using whether it be a sled, whether it be cones, whether it be shoots, whether it be different things that don't necessarily relate to the game um, and, and taking a kid and putting them into a game environment as much as possible. So one thing that I've really done this year is from a drill perspective too, is like dividing my drills into two aspects a teaching aspect and a game environment aspect, right? So to break this down a little bit more. So if I'm teaching a quarterback, right, I got to teach him mechanics before I put him in a game-like environment, right? So I got to teach him to have, you know, a nice wide base, where to get his elbow through, his throwing path, uh, how to generate power through the kin uh, kinematic sequence, things like that, right? Before I throw some guys at him and tell him how to maneuver the pocket, right? Uh, from a wide receiver, same thing. Like if I'm trying to get a guy to explode off the line of scrimmage, I got to teach him how to drop his hips, where his shoulder pad uh, level should be, how to come out of breaks, things like that before I go, okay, you're on one-on-one -on -one and trying to win this, right? So I think those guys really opened my eyes to that aspect of it, of like not just doing cone drills from a wide receiver perspective because, you know, you got to learn how to manipulate a defensive back and a cone's not going to give you that same game-like environment, if that makes sense. So. I, you know, I highly recommend, I did a long version of it. It was like an hour long talk we do with them. And I did like a 15 minute version. If you're someone that can't sit still for a long time, I highly recommend going and check out the 15 minute version, but uh, long answer to your question. That was one of the things that 
really kind of opened my eyes this past off season of like how to train your guys that way when they hit the game, there's, there's no hesitation on what you should do from a tackling perspective, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever it is perspective. They've already done it hundreds of times in practice, not just hit something um, like a sled that's just standing still and not fighting back. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, you know, breaking your drills into those types of categories where, where it is skill development, which is obviously important. Like, again, I'm coaching linebackers. Like, they have to be able to know how to get in a stance and move within that stance right. before they can – we start running plays at them and go, oh, hey, go make the play, go fit this up. Yep. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, I'll have to check that out for sure. And, and yeah, that's, yeah. There, there have been a lot of times where I'm talking with someone and they'll bring something up and I'll be like, oh, I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Or yeah. – I have not been doing that and I need to start doing that like tomorrow. Um, exactly. And I think that's been the big thing is like staying humble. And, and, and a lot of times like you think like those types of moments can come from the people you might least expect, you know, right. like, I mean, and that's the, you know, I've had, I've had division one coaches. I've had small high school coaches and like learn stuff from all of them. And, and it's sometimes just that guy that you don't really expect. And also they'll say something or they've been, and it's like, wow, that, that really is for me. That's really profound. Yeah. That, I mean, that whole video came from a Twitter argument. You know, that was one of those, they were arguing with something about something. And then like, I was tagged in it. So I jumped, I was like, wait, like instead of sitting here arguing on Twitter, cause no one wins. Right. Like people are just getting their feelings hurt the entire time. Like, let's make a video out of this. And let's educate. And I think that was my biggest thing was like, you have two opposite sides here that are saying this is right. No, this is right. Well, let's find a middle path here and let's like understand where they're both coming from. And that's, that's why I made that video. And like, for me, it's been very eye opening. Like, okay, like I understand what they're saying now and how we can make this thing as game like as possible. So uh, yeah, I agree though. Right. It's like people in different, it could be the highest level. It could be even the lowest level. Like I think the biggest thing is keep the ears and eyes open because you can learn something from everybody. It's, it's not because you coach here, you know, everything it's, it could come from anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you kind of talked about how this whole thing with victory has been a process. You started with the app and you just kind of had to like find your sort of your stride with this. Uh, I went through a similar process. Like I didn't just start with a podcast Um, before, before that um, I would write articles. Yep. And um, we have a, a monthly Texas high school football coaching magazine or you can submit articles. And so I would write them and submit them. And there's not a whole lot of people doing that. So that's kind of a cool way to get your stuff out there. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. um, And and then I kind of did a blog and, you know, started doing a blog where I would put articles out and just have like a place to house, house those. But, and even though I'm an English major, uh, I kind of, that's kind of my jam. I felt like writing just really wore me out. Like it was really, really difficult. And I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. To that part, yep. um, I was like, I realized I would much rather talk to people because writing is you're by yourself, you know, you're staring at that that blinking Your cursor. Thoughts, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and are does this even make sense? What are the and so I was like, man, I would rather just have the spotlight like be on the guests and let them talk and I learn from them. Yep. Um, and so that's kind of where it, then it, we landed on the podcast. And so that's that's um that's sort of been the the journey here. Uh here's the question. What advice would you give to guys who are like, man, I want to do something, whether it's write or whether it's do something, you know, YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever. What advice would you give guys who are wanting to do something like that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is understanding that early on you're going to look dumb and you're going to be self-conscious about a lot of things, but just do it. 
you know, and I think that's something that's the hardest thing to do, especially when you're on video is just understand, like, you're going to look dumb initially. Your first couple of videos are going to be bad, but just keep learning and keep improving off it. Your first couple of blogs, you're going to look bad. Uh, but if, you, if you're trying to get organic traffic, and this is something that I spent a lot of time researching and just understanding is if you're trying to get organic traffic, understand how Google works. Okay. So when you're writing blogs, you know, understand how people are going to see those blogs. If you're doing YouTube and you're trying to get people to get eyes on YouTube, understand how YouTube works. I think a lot of people just spray and pray content and then get burned out because no one's viewing it. Well, yeah, because Google's not picking it up and YouTube has no clue what this video is about, right? Uh, understand viewership, like understand the reason, like there's a reason why our videos are 11 to 15 minutes long. It's not just because I feel like doing it that way. It's because like we understand our viewership. Uh, so a lot of analytic stuff goes in the back end. And I think anybody can learn that. You just got to spend time learning it. So I think before you even record a video or, and not even from business perspective, you just want people to look at your stuff, right? Like understand how Google works, understand how YouTube works. They're owned by the same company. So there's a ton of resources out there for be able to do it. Uh, but if you want to grow a podcast, which I think is very hard. So that's why I commend you for doing this. You know, we had one for a little bit and it, it's tough. It's very tough. Like you said, to schedule guests, to um, write out the script if there is any, because then if a guest cancels on you and you're trying to put out a weekly podcast, like I understand that process. It's probably one of the hardest things to do is to do a podcast. So I, I commend you on that because, um, you know, we end up stopping ours. But uh, if you try and do Google or YouTube, that would be my biggest pieces of advice is like learn the platform first before you just start spraying and praying videos because you're going to, if you do get zero views, it is mentally exhausting because you're putting all this work and no one's seeing it. So that's probably what I recommend initially. And, um, you know, as of right now, we talk TikTok's on fire right now. So if you're someone that likes to create short under 60 second content, go learn how TikTok works. Cause it's, uh, it's hot right now. Yeah. I, um, you know, I go back and every now and then we'll, we'll listen to, you know, now that you know, it's summer vacation, you're driving a lot. Sometimes I'll pull up like old episodes, like the very first ones. And it's, it's cringy. You know, I always say it is. Like, yeah. Right. Going right. back and it's like going back and looking at pictures of you from middle school. You know, you thought you were looking cool and <laughs> yeah. you, know, you thought you had it going on or whatever. And it was terrible. And uh, yeah, I remember being super, super self-conscious and I don't want guys to think that I'm like some know-it-all coach because I have a podcast or whatever like it was actually the opposite I'm trying to learn more mm -hmm. um, but I think yeah once you get past that and get a little bit of confidence and um, you kind of learn and 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 sort of figure things out and get in the groove then it's a lot more fun and you can you know you kind of figure things out that way but you talked about like all right if you understand how Google works and YouTube works give us just like a real quick like hey here's a tip for getting stuff to be noticed on Google. Here's a tip for getting your videos on YouTube to get viewed, like just for guys who are into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just one point I want to make before you, uh, before I answer this question is like, you mentioned, you know, that you don't know everything. I, same thing here. I don't know everything and I'm always seeking new things. Yeah, so like, absolutely. And that's my thing too. Like I have no problem asking a dumb question. Um, if it, cause I know it's going to help someone in the audience. Right. So like if I have a guest that's talking about something complicated, like I'll butt in and be like, Hey, can you explain this a little bit more? Not necessarily for myself, but like someone who's watching it and be like, ah, okay. Like I was going to ask that. So I think, you know, for me, like I always, I, I don't know everything. I'll never admit to know everything. And that's why I'm always trying to learn more and always trying to at least take what I know and put it on victory and go from there. But um, yeah, to answer your question, like, you know, I'll, I'll start with YouTube, I guess it's, YouTube pays attention to watch time, right? 
So if what's on the screen and what they're hearing isn't consistently changing or it's not consistently engaging or consistently stimulating that viewer's brain, they're going to go to another video, right? So I think about the YouTube algorithm. If I'm watching a video and it's boring, I'm either going to skip ahead or I'm going to leave it. Well, to YouTube, if you watched 30 seconds and left it, it's not a good video, right? So that watch time is very important for YouTube videos. Same thing for TikTok. If, if someone, if you know, you watch a video and it stinks, what do you do? Go to the next one, go to the next one. If it's engaging, what do you do? You watch it. And these platforms are paying attention to that because think about the goal of Google, uh, YouTube, right? And I guess here's a little tidbit for you. The goal of YouTube is to keep you on the platform as long as possible so I can show you more ads. Well, if I'm not watching any videos, I'm not being served any ads. So the video is not doing any good for me. Uh, so that's, I guess, my little tidbit is, is like consistently stimulate the brain by keeping them watching and keep things moving. Because, you know, I, I don't know if you have any kids, but like uh, you do. Yeah, you say you have a son, right? So. Yeah, I got three kids. Yeah, three kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, like those, uh, like everything. I have, I have a niece and nephew and I know when they got their iPads or the TV, they're glued to Paw Patrol, whatever it is. Because it's consistent, it's bright, it's colorful, it's moving, it's always, and sometimes you watch them, they're in a trance just staring at that thing. So, uh, you know, you always want to just keep things moving, keep things, I get, you know, bright, uh, stimulating, and yeah. keep the viewer watching. So that's probably the well, biggest. And I think that's because, yeah, I think that's exactly right. It is exactly right. And it's funny you say that because my brother, my older brother, listened to, um, a couple of my podcasts at the beginning and at the time um, with the company he was working for, they were producing shows to go on TV for TV. And so he's, he's on TV some and, um, and they're, they're produced. So he kind of had an idea of like, Hey, this is good stuff. This is not good stuff. Right. And he said, Hey, you got to be way more expressive with your voice. Yeah. Like you're not just sitting in office talk. Like you got to be, way more expressive where people oh, are going to yeah, get, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and yeah so yeah. I was like, what are you talking? So I'm back and listen. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I was super monotone and yep. cause I don't know. I just didn't want to, I don't want to sound or come off cheesy. Yeah. You yeah, know, or, right. or not, not genuine or whatever. But I think that that's, that's really important is um, you have to be that way. And so I had to kind of train myself to be that way. You yeah. know, and that's, but, but you're right. That's exactly right. I mean, otherwise people are just moving on. So what about, exactly. yeah. what about Google then? Yeah. Same thing. I think you gotta be, you gotta write content that's long form, but also answers the question for, you know, for the user too. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's a million different data points that Google uses for, for the algorithm, but yeah, the biggest thing is just make sure like you're on point it's a machine. So just understand that it's, uh, it's not necessarily, it's trying to find the answer for the user. Same thing, right? It's like, if I type in how to tackle, I'm looking for football content. that's going to teach me how to tackle, right. Or how to catch a football, whatever it may be like, same thing with Google, like answer the question and be as simple as possible, but also don't talk about how you caught 50 passes in high school. It doesn't care. Right. So, uh, that's probably the, you know, the best way to go about Google. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to test your library knowledge of your victory stuff here really quick because yeah. I'm a, look, okay, here's a real life scenario. I'm a, I'm a defensive coach, uh, coach linebackers. We run a four, two, five. I get on victory. I'm like, all right, what, what would be the best video or blog or whatever on victory's platform for me to check out? So knowing those, those, um, I guess those parameters for me, 
uh, what were what would be some things you would recommend for me? Yeah, we have a defense. So what I've done is I've structured. This is something that's been a real pain in the butt, and I'm still monitoring every single day is how to structure our content, right? So like, again, if you're a defensive coach who runs a four two five, like I can click click and get to where I want to be and keep you engaged for hours on end reading our content, right? On YouTube, we've done a pretty decent job of that. I've created a lot of playlists. So that way you can just play video after video. Uh, so we have a tackling playlist. We have a defensive coaches playlist, um, which we've had all of our defensive coaches on, obviously. So I would recommend if you go to the website, which is, I'm still working on it, but you can click learn and we have all the different topics there. Uh, and same with YouTube, you can just go to our playlist section and I've divvied up all the playlists that way. But the blog definitely needs a little bit of work. So I think we can do a better job with that, but the YouTube is probably your best bet. Uh, to just binge watch that content for hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for you, um, what I, I know, and we're about to get into talking a little bit about football and just just what you're doing at Bellingham. Like, um, what I know you're the defense coordinator, but again, smaller school where you have to coach both sides of yeah. the ball. Where do you find yourself kind of gravitating more towards? You know, for me, when I was coaching D line, like I love talking D line, but it's like I gotta I gotta kind of branch out and. You know, talk to some some back end guys, some secondary guys. And yeah, so yeah. I, I tended to um sort of gravitate towards the secondary because I felt like that was my weakest point. Mm. Um so for you, I feel like just in talking with you, you have a pretty good general knowledge of the game of football. Yeah. You know, all, all together you kind of have to when you're when you're doing all these different interviews. But like what what position or side of the ball do you find yourself gravitating towards to learn more about for you personally? Yeah, for me, it was actually a D-line. So uh, I played defensive back in college and high school. Um, and, you know, for me, it was like, and this was probably about two years ago now, two, three years ago, where like I sat down, my brother being an offensive coordinator, like I sat down with him, was like, listen, I need to learn everything about offensive line. That way I can reverse engineer for the defensive line and understand what the offense is trying to do. So one thing that we really studied and started to understand was how the offensive line operates. And I think for any defensive coach listening to this, like if you can study one thing, study that offensive line, study their offensive stances, uh, study tendencies, study back position. Are they always running opposite the back? Um, you know, formational tendencies, things like that. But for me, it was the defensive line and understanding if I'm getting this block, I need to counter it by doing this. Right. And I think from a, a defense coordinator perspective, once you can understand that, teach the kids that that way they can understand it and process it, whether they're playing linebacker or defensive line, that's probably been the biggest thing for us is just teaching the kids. Like this is what they're trying to do to you. And this is what, how we're going to counteract it. Yeah. That, that's a great point. And, and um, yeah, I, I guess that's when I'm, when I'm looking at the, at the other side of the ball, it usually is the offensive line that I'm trying to figure, you know, what are those guys doing? What right. are those guys, yep. um, you know, telling their guys and, and I think that's that's invaluable information to know uh, for all the reasons that you talked about. Well, um, all right. You, you've kind of alluded to a little bit like you have a day job. You go uh, you work victory throughout the day and then you go in the afternoon and you're coaching um, for those of us just unfamiliar with the, the high school football scene in Massachusetts. Talk about what it's like there. You know, maybe some unique challenges that you guys have to deal with. You know, what, what's it like coaching high school football? Uh, in Massachusetts. Yeah, I think New England as a whole isn't as recruited as I think it should be. We, we got some good players here, you know, and I think uh, when, when you look at like high school football, you think of the South, right? You think Texas, California, like these great states have great players. Uh, you know, Massachusetts and New England, it does too as well.
But I think some of the challenges, which ties into it, is just a the weather, right? Because we're always fighting weather here, whether it be snow on the ground, whether it be it pouring rain. Uh, you know, the winter months aren't suitable to do things outdoors. So, um, you know, for us, we have those other sports too: the baseballs, the lacrosse, the other sports. So, like mo- most of our kids are multi-sport athletes. Um, so, you know, we don't have spring ball, right? And I think saying all that, it ties into not being able to develop kids year round. A lot of the rules in our state as well, kind of suffocate you to not doing anything with a football until July, you know, sometimes even to August, right? So for development of a kid, it's very hard, especially in the Northeast to get those kids developed to where they could possibly be. Okay. Saying that there is some great players here. And I think uh, the coaching here is phenomenal as well. And I think a little bit under the radar. So I think if the state kind of lessened the rules a little bit uh, with like, hey, June 1st, you can start doing football things. I think that's kind of where the handcuffs would come off a little bit and let coaches do what they're supposed to do and coach and uh, develop the players a little bit more. Because, you know, especially and I'm I'm a little bit biased this obviously being a football coach, but I think football is one of the most complex games out there and we give the coaches, what, legally, August 20th, you can start in Massachusetts. Like, that's when you can put on a helmet, put on a shoulder pad for the first time. Well, we got to teach offense scheme, defense scheme, tackling, special team, everything. And essentially, we're handed two weeks to do so before our first game. Um, so all of that, it just doesn't make sense in my eyes. And I, I'm hoping it will change in the near future, the way kids are starting to get noticed now and uh, I think Massachusetts had a first, I could be wrong about this, but we just had our first five-star recruit in Massachusetts, uh, an offensive lineman. So the, the ties are certainly starting to change now, and I'm hoping the rules will catch up to it because I think there is some talent here. It can be developed. I think the rules is handcuffed a little bit for us to be able to develop those kids year-round. Yeah, yeah. And we used to not be able to do football skills in the summer. It's pretty much just your lifting and your running. Right. Um, but kind of post-COVID, uh, we've been allowed to do, you know, a, a certain amount of time where you can do football a day and do football skills. And obviously no one's got pads or helmets on or anything. It's, it's, it's still, um, you know, T-shirts and shorts, but it, it really has been good to work the fundamental aspect of it and yeah. to start getting some scheme in in the summer, like you said. So then when you, when you are up there, you know, in the fall camp or whatever, you, you can kind of just, you, you can move on and move a little bit faster with that. Um, I've always been I've always been interested. I want to talk with coaches who are in states where you don't necessarily have to work at the high school where you coach. Yeah. Right. So what's that like and how do you stay connected with the high school when you're not an employee there? Right. Uh, we actually most of our staff isn't. We have uh, one teacher, one teacher on staff who teaches in the building. Um, so we're we're consistently like me and my brother are the strength and conditioning coordinators, so to say. And I say that in quotations because like we like we run the off-season program. Uh so we're always consistently with the kids. Uh it's not like we take a break, hey, we'll see you in August. Like we're consistently talking to the kids, uh, whether it be through group chats, whatever it may be. Um, so that disconnect, we're just not there during the day, so to say, but we do have a teacher in the building that if anything does go wrong, whatever it is, they can handle it. But um yeah, my father has his own business as well on the side, so he's able to be flexible with he does with he does. So he's consistently at the school. So, you know that we have great kids too. So you know I can't say enough about the kids. So there really isn't 
that like need to, Hey, we have to be in the school. The only thing that really hurts us, if I can really think of anything, I'm not having the head coach is just the recruitment part of it. Cause we don't see the kids walk in the hallways during the day. Uh, but the best recruiters for us have been the kids. You know, we're getting probably one or two new kids a week. Just, Hey, this kid wants to play football because he's my buddy. And I talked him into it. So the kids have been a great, just advocate for the program. And we average anywhere from 65, 75 kids in our program a year um, for a small school in, in Massachusetts. It's pretty good. So that's, uh, that's probably been the biggest thing that's hurt us is, is the recruiting the hallway part of it. You talked about how you and your dad and, and your brother, you've been working to kind of flip things in the program. I know you guys had a really good year, you know, in the, the COVID year, the 2020 yeah. season. Yeah. And, um, and as I mentioned in the opener, we're, we're awarded the uh, USA Today coaching staff of the year. Like when you look at that, what are some things that y'all have been doing to that, that has helped lead to that type of success? Um, like whether it's, whether it's, you know, actual football stuff, it's culture stuff, like what are, what's been the difference or the key in this, in a turn in this turnaround? Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I mean, there, there was, we had a really good team that year and it, it sucks. It was the COVID year, right? Cause we just had so many, so many great players on that team, so many hardworking kids, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I hate to be this coach, but like the culture stuff is huge. Right. And I think for us, the off season has been huge too, because you know, we're consistently having kids compete. Uh, the weight room is a priority in Bellingham where um, we kind of let the kids be themselves, right? They can be loud. They can root each other on. It's not like this thing where you're going to get disciplined and you got to be in line. You got to, the kids can be themselves in the off season. And I think that's why our numbers have been so, so big in the off seasons because kids enjoy coming to lift and they enjoy doing the little things, you know, running, lifting, whatever it may be. Uh, but we, we also have competition days. So they're consistently competing against each other. Uh, we try to make no day the same either. So that way when a kid walks in, he doesn't know what to expect. And I think that is something that if you have run an off season program, you know, if you're a coach like me who can't, you know, your town can't afford an offensive court, uh, sorry, a uh, strength and conditioning coordinator, try to make every day different and every day fun. And that's something that we, we strive to do. Uh, but that's probably the, been the biggest thing. And then offense and defensively, it's just been executing. You know, one thing that I've, as a defense coordinator that I've kind of adopted over the last couple of years is if something's broken where a player is running through the line of scrimmage untouched or a receiver is wide open, it's a scheme problem. And if we're missing tackles or, um, you know, not hitting blitzes we're supposed to, it's a player problem, right? So being able to dissect what's actually on the field uh, quickly has been another big factor of it too. So I got a coach in the booth, uh, Coach Pat McGovern, who's been awesome in a sense of just like creating a system that we're able to dissect and fix things that are broken quickly. Um, and same for offensively too. My brother's got a pretty good system in that sense of being able to identify whether it be pregame or even during the game where he's going to attack and uh, the players he's going to attack as well. So those two things, preferably, you know, understanding uh, from a coaching perspective, like what needs to be done, how to patch it up. And then in the off season, just letting the kids have fun and, and you know, still be competitive and uh, strive to the main goal we're trying to do is win football games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm -hmm. and I like I like being able to, like what you talked about, break things down into it's either a scheme. Pro is it a scheme problem? Is it a kid problem? And then, yeah. all right, from there, now we can go about fixing this issue. Um, and I think that's a great way to, to, to start as you start trying to dissect what's going on. Because sometimes in a game, you don't have a whole lot, a lot of times in the game, you don't have a whole lot of time to figure it out um, you got to figure out in a hurry and that's a good place to start just to, so in, in the game, you know, you're calling the defense. Now the offense takes the field. 
Are you still thinking about that last defensive series? Do you have to count? Like, how do you think about that and think about, all right, here's what I want to come back to, or here's what, but then also coach your guys up on the offensive side. Yeah. So one thing we did is, is we, we have two coaches in the booth. And I think this was the biggest thing that the change that we made was like, we had both coaches and they were just giving feedback consistently, but we finally said like, Hey, no, you're a defense coach or an offensive coach. So that way, like the defensive coach, Pat, who I mentioned, like he's consistently, we're, we're in contact consistently. So when the offense is on the field, we're talking, um, you know, he's not hyper-focused on what's going on the offensive side of the field. We already have an offensive coach. So that way we've kind of hyper-focused ourselves to like, Hey, we need to patch this up. Let's get this done. Like, Hey, here's what they gave us last drive. Let's patch it up. Uh, I think that's helped a lot too. Cause sometimes I know in the past, like we just had coaches up there just giving feedback and it was kind of just sporadic. So really like creating a system for that has helped a ton. Um, but that's, that's probably been the biggest thing is, is this understanding uh, a system in place of the feedback from the coach in the booth to the coach in the sideline. And also too, like if you have other coaches on the sideline, like put them to work, but also make sure that they're like giving valuable feedback. Like, Hey, this guy missed a tackle. Well, yeah, no kidding. You know, it's like, that does nothing for the overall scheme of what's actually happening. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a learned skill to be able to be in the box um, in the booth and, and, and be able to communicate effectively to the coaches down there. I can't say that I've mastered it. I've, I've um, spent once, actually a half a season, uh, this is about to be my 14th year of coaching. I spent one half of a season in the box. And so the tempting thing is to watch the ball, right? Like yep. you, you start watching the ball exactly. or you get so hyper-focused on a player that you can't tell, well, I don't know what that was because I was just watching Jimmy. Right. And I know Jimmy was terrible there, but, or Jimmy was good, but I don't know about the other two guys. So it's, it's like, you got to be able to find the balance between not watching the ball, but also not just having tunnel vision on a certain player or, you know, a certain spot of the field. Yeah. Um, and one, one thing that's helped us tremendously too is, and again, this goes back to learning the offensive line. So from a defensive play call standpoint or someone in the booth, like, you know, and, and coach Pat does a good, fantastic job with this too. It's like, okay, we understand what power is. We understand what counter is. We understand what ISO, whatever our language is for those types of plays. So, and you can actually study this in the off season, hit play on any, on any film, right. And understand what they're doing the first three seconds. So that way in your head, you know, Hey, they ran power to the field. They ran power to the boundary. Okay. Well, we're supposed to spill power when we're not, we're getting gutted up the middle. So we know that it's a defensive end issue who's not spilling it, or we know it's a linebacker who's not spilling it, whatever it may be. That way we can dissect faster. Okay. But it all comes from the guy in the booth and from me on the field. Like that's what I'm looking at too, is like, what do we get? Are we getting guard pull? Are we getting zoned out? Oh, okay. Well, they ran ISO and they ripped us here. Our three technique peaked back into the A gap. And now we have that B gap wide open, whatever it may be. And I think being able to understand that from the booth and the sideline perspective has been huge, but the way to train that in the off season is like hit play, hit stop. And just in your head, be like, okay, could I identify that play from the offensive line? Yeah. And that's, um, you know, that's when you're, especially when you get in season, you've watched so much game film. That's where we're just watching, studying game film the week of, because then yeah, by Thursday uh, and, you know, Friday morning, you know, I like to throw on a game and, and, and just kind of go through it in my head. Like they break the huddle and I don't have any, it's just, just watching a game. You know, yep. and you're like, okay, oh yeah, all right. Look at this backfield. Look at this. Okay, here we go. Power coming right here. You know, right. or throwing the bubble, or or whatever. And and being able to to like you said, teach that to the guys in the box can be really uh, invaluable because now they see the same thing 
exactly. the huddle breaks and it's like you erase half of the answers, you know, because now they know, all right, it's probably going to be this or this, Yep. Um, which kind of helps them understand what's going on and, and not get paralyzed by all of the, uh, all of the, all just all the movement. That's yeah. You just want, don't want to have a coach be a fan on the sideline. just watching the game the entire time. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, coach, it's been a, a really interesting conversation and, and, you know, learned a lot. We, we've talked about some stuff that I know we've never talked about on this podcast with, with YouTube and, and Google and uh, just covered a lot of ground. And I'm, I'm really, uh, really have enjoyed our conversation, but we're not done yet. I want to put you through our rapid fire segment. So yeah. um, you, you, cool with that? You ready? To go? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, I'm looking at your um, and guys who are listening to the podcast. They can't see this, but I can see you know your background. Um, you got a a couple dumb and dumber figurines there <laughs> that uh, yeah. only only true fans of the movie would would uh, would would recognize. Yeah. Um, I, I find myself quoting that movie uh, all the time. In fact, yeah. last night we had some some families were getting together over the weekend, you know, and 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 I think we quoted that movie two or three times just in the conversation. But anyway. Um, so I'm, I take it you're a fan of the movie Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, it's funny actually. The reason I bought though, I'm just a fan of the movie, but uh, I was in Walmart just looking for things for my background, and yeah. they had both of those. I was like, I can't not buy that. Yeah, so that's, yeah. There's really no story behind. It. I, I love the movie. I do. Um, and I, the scene's the funniest when they're you know fighting with the sticks and they go into the uh, the canes and they go into the uh, the yeah. ball. But yeah, that that's just the story behind that. <laughs> Same with the piranha plant here. I found a light up piranha plant from Mario and. Uh, yeah, I just put it in the background. This is yeah. my newest one right here. This is this is a Cam Newton bobblehead I bought off Patriots.com for like three bucks. They were selling it. I okay, like, I got to buy it. So that's yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what I was gonna. My, my question was gonna be, what's the story? But behind the stuff behind you, and so yeah, you, we've already touched on it there. And so you got a few books. So I'll ask you that next question: Are you a big reader of books, coaching books, or maybe you know just books in general? And, and recommend a couple books for us. Yeah. So. Uh, this one I actually wrote. This is 150 football drills for coaches over here over my left shoulder, which is uh, yeah. right here. Uh, and then here's a stack of books that I just have from coaching friends. Um, you know, shout out to Coach Kenny Simpson, Alex Kirby, all those guys there. So those are all coaching friends that I, I've received their books. Or um, this is, I believe, yeah, the, the Art of Smart Football by Chris Brown. Yeah, um, highly recommend that one. But I just try to rotate those books through to give love to those guys behind me. And then. Uh, this one right here is um, my friend Colleen uh, Thomas wrote it. It's formerly Colleen Warren. I grew up with her, but essentially what it is, it's uh, she married Brandon Thomas, who is a coach at Clemson right now. And it's a book about teaching your children about racism. Um, oh, okay. And it's, it's really cool. So she wrote a children's book about how to talk to your kids about, about racism and uh, you know, teaching them it's wrong and, and everything else. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. So she signed that book and I had that one posted oh, up right behind me. So cool. Cool. Uh, big shout out to Colleen. Yeah. 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 So that's where that's where the setup is. And then this is okay. the picture after we won the championship. This is just a helmet. And then this is a wood grave uh victory sign that I got custom made. So nice. Nice. And, oh, right here is a like a baseball mitt from like 1920, 1930, I think it is. So uh that's the story behind here. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. It's, but it's a good looking background. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's nice. You know, it's, it's, and there's some stuff to kind of look at and go, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so you obviously you talked about you're a Patriots fan. Um, and, you know, so you're, you are, uh, you know, have a lot of great memories of Tom and, and all that. Did you, did you watch the uh, series um, that they did? With Tom Brady, I the guess. Man in the arena. Yeah, man in the arena. Did you I watch actually the haven't arena? seen it yet. I haven't. Oh. It's on the list of things to watch, and yeah. I haven't got to it yet. And 
um, I've watched everything else, but I yeah. haven't seen Man in the Arena yet, which I'm kicking myself for for not watching it yet. But it's on the list. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I'll ask you this because I you, you got to watch it. It's yeah. I, for me, I I respected Tom. I've always respected Tom Brady. I'm a Cowboys fan, um, but um, just just after watching that, I had even more respect for him and 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 like him even more than than I did. I can't say I had a strong opinion of him personally either way before that. Yeah. Uh, but really, really, um, you, you, you learn to appreciate him as a person as well. Uh, but your favorite moment as a Patriots fan, and there's a lot to choose from, but if you were to look back and kind of maybe dwindle it down to a couple favorite moments as a Patriots fan. Yeah, um, I think the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl was probably like the craziest thing I've gone as a Patriot fan because you, you were lowest of low. They're going to punch it and end it, and he picks it. And I think – Tom's reaction where he's jumping up, screaming, you know, with a high-pitched voice. I think that was me, too. And all the my friends I was with, too, we were crazy. My friend was pouring drinks all over everyone's head. It, it was it was wild. So uh, I think that was probably the highlight. And I think, again, the 28-3 comeback uh, with the, against Atlanta was another one, too, where it's like, you know, as a coach, like, usually you think you're down in the dumps, and then all of a sudden, like, one thing changes. One thing happens. Another thing happens. And all of a sudden, you're tired 28-28. So, um I think that was, yeah. Yeah, those are th- those are two great memories for sure. So now um, you, you guys are in a different era, right? Yeah, uh, the Mac Jones era. Mac are Jones, you, are yeah. you, uh, are you sold on Mac Jones or is the jury still out on him? What do you think? I, I am. Yeah, I think he's doing all the right things he needs to do. Um, I don't think he's given us a reason not to. I say us as Patriot fans, they're giving us a reason not to. So I'm in on him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I like what I see so far and uh, he's still young. So there's still plenty of time to develop too. So, uh, you know, I'm just curious about uh, what he's going to do next and how they shape the roster from a coaching perspective and from a, a roster perspective around him to uh, let him, you know, accelerate his skills. So I'm assuming you're a, are you a Boston Celtics fan as well? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the, obviously the Celtics uh, <laughs> just, just lost to the Warriors uh, yep. in, in what was that? Six, six, six games, yeah, six games. Yeah. Uh, what do the do the Celtics need to do? Uh, do they need to get Jason Tatum some help? What, what do they run it back with the same squad next year? What's the deal? I think they run it back. I know Tatum caught a lot of heat at the end of last game, but again, he's still 24 years old, he's young. The whole crew is young. I think you keep them together. I don't think you blow it up just yet. Uh, that's just an outside fan looking. I'm I've been a Celtics fan as a kid, too, Red Sox fan, all Boston sports, but I think that's. I think you keep them together for sure. It's it's gotta be now that I'm thinking of it. Um, you know, to be a Boston sports fan within the last decade, spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. Wait, yeah, wait, oh, wait. I'm aware of it. I'm absolutely and, aware and, of it. Yeah. And you know, like, yeah. but if you were to say that a Boston sports fan 20 years ago, you know, it's the complete other end of the spectrum, right? Right. right. The Red Sox with the curse, the Patriots were not what they were. I guess 20, right. maybe let's go back a little further back in 20 years, but um, you know. So the Bruins weren't, yeah, they were yeah, exactly. But the, the Celtics Bru- were winning with Larry Bird. Like that was really kind of all. Yeah. 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 But even like in that window there of, um, you know, I guess when I was growing up, you know, the Celtics weren't anything, right. you know, special at that point. So there really wasn't a whole lot to be excited about. So, um, and now you guys are completely spoiled and, um, oh, big time. yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I absolutely realize it too. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those Patriots, you know, New England fans who, 
go ahead and boast. It's but the the expectation around here has been like it's championship or bust, right? Which I think puts a lot of pressure on the teams. But it's good to have that culture as opposed to the other way where it's like, hey, we're gonna lose every single game. It's you know, there's an expectation around here to to elevate the the play and to make the championship every year, which does put a lot of pressure on the uh the athletes themselves. Well, here's another con- connection we have. Um, so you're a, a Red Sox fan. Um, I actually coached at the high school where Michael Walker is from. So he's, okay. he's in, in the Red Sox rotation right now, doing yep. really well for him. Um, he, he's, he's big time here. His brother um, coached for us for a little while. Now he has his own business where he's, he's training, uh, training people, oh, awesome. kind of personal training business. But Michael comes back uh, often and uh, great dude. Um, actually, we'll see him, I guess, maybe later on this summer. We'll see him. That's but, awesome. um, yeah. Anyway, once they get done playing. Um, but uh, he, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, obviously done a lot for, for our high school and, and just the city of Texarkana. But there you go. There's a little, uh, a little connection there with, with, yeah. with, the, uh, with the Red Sox. <laughs> okay, so I always ask this question. Ask about food. If I'm coming to, you know, whether it's Billingham or, or just your area, where, and, and I say, all right, coach, take me to take me to some some good eating spots. Where are we going to go? Um, coming to Bellingham, okay. Because you're coming to New England, you obviously got to get a lobster roll. You got to get the chowder. You got to get <laughs> you got to get all of those. Um, locally though, uh, got a couple good pizza spots in town. When I was a little kid, I always liked this one spot, Famous House Pizza, which is in Bellingham, which I'm a I'm a sucker for. So I'll probably take you there. It's a pizza spot though. It's you know, but if you're coming to Boston or New England itself, yeah, definitely you got to get yourself a lobster roll um, or, yeah, some sort of clam chowder. So whether you're down on Cape Cod, um, those are the two highlighted items. I got you. So when, when you are not uh, working your day job, running victory, coaching football, what do you like to do for fun? What are some hobbies that you have? Um, so i enjoy working out in the mornings like that's been something i'm really i'm big into fitness so i'm always running i'm always working out i'm always doing something um rather than that that's it i'm really yeah i mean i'll take the kayak out to the lake um do a little bit of kayaking i have a niece and a nephew i try to spend time with so chasing them around uh they're three and one now so my niece is was dragging me yesterday running laps around the yard just because She's got all that balled up energy. And apparently my, my brother wants me to make sure that she uses the energy. Um, so she's not up all night, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Just family time and, and really working out. And then this stuff takes up a lot of my time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can only imagine. So uh, looking forward to next season um, game days, do you have, uh, do you have any game day superstitions or things that you have to do or get done on game days? Um, I try not to. And the reason for that is I just don't want to be in a routine where like I have to do the same thing every single time. So uh, not, no, I mean, we'll meet with the staff, meet with the players before the game. Um, that's really it. Me and my brother will set up the, the end zone camera. So me and him will do that. That's really it though. Yeah. I don't, I know it sounds boring, but I don't really, I try not to have the superstitions that way I don't get locked into anything. So yeah, I, I don't wear the same underwear. I don't wear the same, <laughs> pant, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. it may be. It's, yeah, I just wake up on game day. I have my lunch, um, get mentally ready. I'm not a, a huge rah-rah coach, so I'm pretty even keeled and level on the sidelines. So the communication's clear and the the kids aren't freaking out because they're seeing their coach freak out. So those, those are two big things I'm really conscious of. But uh, yeah, 
just make sure the kids are ready and all the coaching staff is prepared too. Well, awesome. Well, coach, great stuff today. Um, and really, uh, we'll have all of your uh, information and stuff in, in the show notes today's episode where guys can go and check out Victory you know, with the links to the uh, website and the YouTube page um, and, and your Twitter handle as well. But want to thank you so much and wish you guys the best of luck uh, for the rest of 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. So uh, best of luck with everything with the podcast and any coaches out there listening. If there's anything that we can do to help you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we, you know, we have all these resources and everything, and we're happy to distribute them any way we can. So uh, please reach out and anything I can do, of course, reach out as well. Perfect, Coach. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach Haddad for joining us today. Really appreciate uh, what he's doing to provide valuable resources for coaches and uh, all that he's doing to help grow our game. So go and give him a follow on Twitter at Chris Victory. And that victory is a little tricky. You got to make sure you spell it correctly. It's lowercase v, capital I-Q lowercase T-O-R-Y, and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. You should also go check out Victory Sports' website and YouTube page for for all kinds of high-quality clinics and resources for coaches of all positions. Uh, We reference those uh, repeatedly in our conversation today. You can find a link to both of those in the show notes of today's episode. Also, if you aren't following us on Twitter, then you're not a true fan, okay? Let's just call it like it is. So go and give us a follow. We always follow back. You can find us at KYPD Podcast. And make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Uh, Also, if you are a fan of the podcast, then don't keep it a secret. We always say there's no secrets on defense. Please go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It takes just a couple minutes and goes a long way in helping spread the word about our podcast here. Our quote of the day goes like this. And this is a tip of the cap to Coach. I had to add today, I uh, had to get a, a Tom Brady quote for him. And it goes like this. The true competitors, though, are the ones who always play to win. That's all for us today. Join us back here next week for a very special episode. We will have uh, on a panel of guests uh, who have firsthand experience in flipping a program around from one that was really almost an afterthought to a, a state championship caliber program. So uh, it's going to be a great one. Really looking forward to that one. Until then, hey, play to win. Have a great week. And whether you're in Massachusetts, Texas, or somewhere in between, always remember. Keep your pads down.